Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. Brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Don't forget, before you watch the Rebels and the Hogs, to stop by LBs. Go see Greg. Tell him that we sent you here from Super Talk, the Rebel Report. Tell him we sent you. Get something to throw behind the grill for what should be a beautiful Saturday to watch Ole Miss football. 67 degrees and sunny, so go by LB's, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat and get your weekend started the right way by seeing Greg and, of course, again, telling him we sent you. As I, uh, you probably hear my little guy playing with toys in the background. He's about to be one years old in two days, if you can believe that. Time absolutely flies. It is good to be with you. Follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Michael Borky. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, and a review. A bunch of stuff to get to with you today. Number one. Got an update on uh, Otis Reese, or or sort of. We thought we did, and then now, now we don't. Um, the COVID situation going on at Ole Miss. It was a big story earlier in the week. It's getting overshadowed, of course, by the cancellation of Florida and LSU. And, a, you know, Nick Saban's positive is kind of a big deal in the college football world. But uh, where do things stand right now? We'll talk about that. Also, uh, there's a quote from the season I'm going to play for you. Um, just to show that an example of the kind of coach that your program has now, I think this post game quote after Ole Miss beat Alabama is, or <laughs> after Ole Miss lost to Alabama, um, is something that I think if you haven't, if you don't watch the season, you should hear. Uh, I think it it would make you like Lane Kiffin even more than you you potentially already do. I've got picks, and then I will play an interview uh, from the radio show earlier in the week that Richard Cross did with a guy that covers Arkansas named Andrew Hutchison. He's with Hogbeat.com. So all of that coming your way, but first we'll start with the Otis Reese situation. And last night on the, uh, I guess it's called Reb Talk with uh, David Kellum, and they get Lane Kiffin there and a couple of players. They do it at Ray. You guys know it, the, the coaches call-in show, even though, as I understand it, they don't take calls, they just uh, read comments, which, by the way, is the right approach uh, to that. It's the exact right approach. You don't need people calling football coaches anymore, uh, especially when somebody like Will Muschamp is getting trolled on a weekly basis. So just avoid the calls and read the comments, and you can filter out the the people uh, from there. But during the Reb Talk with... uh, Kiffin and David Kellum. Lane Kiffin apparently said, uh, I didn't listen to it, but he said that Otis Reese was denied uh, his waiver. And that was the first time anybody heard any definitive on that. And it turns out he may have spoken too soon. An Ole Miss spokesperson to multiple people that cover the team now have said the waiver process is still ongoing, that Kiffin may have just spoken too soon. Which, that is kind of baffling to me too, because I don't think... Kiffin got up there and lied. Why would he lie about something like that? So I doubt that was the case. So where's the communication here? This whole situation with this player, um, it's an embarrassment. Uh, It's an embarrassment on the NCAA level. And, I mean, even last night, something that's weird that the uh, football coach 
said one thing and the sports information people said the other. Why are they not on the same page? Why is the football coach on his on his radio show saying that the waiver was denied when that may have not been true? This this entire thing top to bottom is a mess and the the only loser here is the most innocent party in all of it and that's the player. Um so maybe it's good uh, that the process is still ongoing, but this is about to be game number four in a 10-game season. So the fact that the process is currently ongoing is still, th- there's something wrong here. And I'm starting to to really believe, I don't know if you guys can hear that. Can you hear that? <laughs> Sorry. Um, th- there's got to be more to it than just a waiver getting approved or denied. I mean, I think at this point, just... Uh, without knowing for sure, I mean, just looking at it through in a lens of objectivity, um, I don't think this is as simple as the NCAA is out to get Ole Miss. There's something else going on here, whether Georgia's playing hardball, and they shouldn't be allowed to, but Georgia's playing hardball, or Ole Miss screwed something up along the way. I don't know what's going on, honestly. I, I've, I've asked, and nobody can give me a really good answer about why, Uh but there's got to be more to this situation. And I think last night was kind of an example of, I mean, maybe there's a disconnect b- between uh, the coaching staff and the team and SID, or maybe I'm overlooking all or overthinking all of this. But the fact that the football coach said one thing and sports information said the other on the same night is a little odd and makes me think that there's more to this than just the NCAA dragging their feet uh, to approve or deny a waiver. But either way, no matter how it was handled or what's going on behind the scenes, there still is a kid, a college kid, uh, that's future is being, or not future, but but his season, the thing that he worked so hard for, the only thing he probably cares about, really, because uh, I've been in his shoes before uh, at that age, and he just wants to play ball, and for some reason, some bureaucratic nonsense, a bunch of suits can't get together and figure out how to allow him to play in a year when the NCAA has already declared it not mattering. And we've learned this week that next year you'll be able to transfer one time without penalty. So one-time penalty-free transfer is already a thing. The NCAA has already said this year doesn't matter. And yet this kid, no matter what happened, maybe Ole Miss screwed up or not, I don't know. No matter what's going on, the fact that this kid can't play or doesn't know if he can play or not four weeks into the season is just a joke at every level. And uh, last night's just very confusing to me. Um, I, I would want answers if I were the kid, honestly, is what, wait, why, why is my coach saying that I'm not eligible, but the SID people are saying that it's not done yet. What's going on here? I would ask a lot of questions if I were him. Um, I've got a lot myself. Nobody will answer them. Um, it's a mess. It's a mess. And I feel really bad for the kid and he would help the team a lot. If he was allowed to play, Kiffin repeatedly says that, uh, he's the best player. So, um, so that's an update of a non-update, apparently. But Kiffin did say on the you know, on the coach's show that he was not eligible, and that apparently may not be the case just yet. And then there's this thing called COVID, and Ole Miss has been hit to some degree by positive tests, and that's kind of been the theme of college football this week. You had uh, Missouri Vanderbilt that that was moved LSU Florida has now also been moved because Florida had a couple dozen either positives or players that had to sit out because of contact tracing and so that game cannot happen because Florida could not field a roster and Nick Saban and his athletic director Greg Byrne 
all tested positive. You've also got a handful of them in the NFL. And by the way, I won't spend much time on this because we've talked about it enough, but they're making the right decision trying to push forward and play. Uh, I think uh, no matter what Christine Brennan and Dan Wolken, no matter what they write, uh, Pat Forty, for example, wrote a column uh, citing the Patriots as an example of uh, football chaos when that should be. If you were doing your job um, from a genuine perspective, if you weren't pushing narratives or or basically writing fear porn, uh, the Patriots should be a great example of how you can navigate football season during COVID. Instead of using them as a, a mark of chaos and trouble, um, the Patriots should be looked at as a success story. They, they got a positive. It just so happened to be their quarterback, but they got a positive. They isolated that player and closed the facility down for a little while. Then they tested everybody a couple of times just to make sure there wasn't a spread amongst the team. Once they learned that there wasn't, they played. They didn't win the game, but they played. After that game, they tested the guys a bunch, and turns out there's no spread within the team, and Cam Newton is cleared and ready to go for Sunday. They did everything right. They, they're testing the guys frequently. They were able to flag a positive test and isolate him. They shut down the facility just to make sure they could test everybody and that it wasn't spread amongst the team. Once they determined that that didn't happen, they played. They safely played. And then after the game, they tested everybody again multiple times, and they still have done it. And guess what? The guy that tested positive is healthy enough to play the second he's available to, and they're good to go for Sunday. That, if you're doing your job honestly, should be something that you point to as a success. Because that's exactly what that is. That is how you navigate playing a football season during COVID. You do it exactly how the Patriots did. Not a mark of whatever the hell 40 was trying to peddle. Um, in spite of all that, they're making the right decision by pushing on. And depending on what the, the results say for Ole Miss today, they are also making the right decision to play this weekend. Now, as far as uh, what we know right now, so Kiffin said, I guess it was, was it Tuesday? October 14th was Wednesday. Uh, Kiffin said that uh, a number of players are out. He wouldn't give the number of players, but uh, he also opined over contact tracing being more strict at some places than others, but he said a number of players would be out for the game on Saturday, and he said, quote, it's very difficult moving people around. We're beat up, too, from a high play count, intense game against a great team on Saturday, so we're not in a great situation numbers-wise at all. He did say that they could play the game uh, on Wednesday when he was asked about this if uh, the game was scheduled that day. He also said, quote, I said, Monday in our first meeting that it just got real. Anytime you talk about these things, it doesn't hit home until it happens to you. Now they're seeing it. Now they're seeing depth charts move, and people have to change position, change positions in different things. I hope it really was another reminder. It only takes one person to really screw it up. So um, Nick Suss did a good job of uh, pulling the Ole Miss, like university-wide, uh, their COVID data. And he found that uh, there were 19 active student cases of COVID, but there were only four new cases reported Monday and two new cases reported Tuesday. So, I mean, 
if if this is all done in the appropriate timeline, that means at most the football team at most could have six total, and that I mean that's a university wide number right there. So it stands to reason that those aren't all football players. But even if they are, that is a, a small enough number that you can work with. I have been told, and there are a lot of people talking. I've seen it most everywhere from people that cover the program that the number is small. It's very small. Um, to the point where you can count it on one hand, uh, potentially, the number of guys that would miss the game Saturday. Now, that was on Wednesday. They got tested yesterday, and they will get results back if everything goes well today. The only way, to me, and this is just a guess, but pretty educated guess, the only way that you will know what those results are is if it's too many and it would cancel the game. If they get below 53 or without quarterbacks or without wide receivers or whatever, you know, losing an entire position group. But if that number stays what it is, then they're going to play Saturday and be relatively at full strength. We won't know their results from today unless it's enough to cancel a game. That's just my guess. That's kind of how it seems like they're going to do it. I doubt that we will know who has it, uh, although there is, you know, there's rumor and word circulating that um, it's a player on defense, it's a couple of backups. Um, if you're into this sort of thing on Instagram, Ole Miss Football had some videos of practice the other day, and Matt Corral and Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor and Elijah Moore were all participating in practice. So it was none of them, and the videos didn't show much other than that. But those guys were definitely on the practice field. Uh, and if they show up to Fayetteville, you have a good chance of, of winning, regardless of how many people potentially on the other side of the ball are out. Um, that's all I know right now, is that uh, I'm told it's a it's a very small amount of guys, um, not many impact players that would potentially be out, but that could change now with the latest round of testing. That really could change. So it's just, um, it's up in the air right now. Um, I wish I could tell you more. I wish I knew more. They're not going to tell us anymore uh, at, at all. So hopefully, knock on wood, um, knock on wood that uh, it just remained Wednesday's number because if that's the case, I don't think it changes anything about the outcome of the game. So you hope it stays that way. But uh, that's, um, that's all I really know right now. All right, the next thing I wanted to, to talk with you about was this quote from the season. Um. The season's really good still. I mean, you get kind of a behind-the-scenes look, especially on game day. I generally fast-forward through the the other stuff, and I'll watch it really only when they get to like the game day stuff because they're on the sidelines and in the locker room and stuff like that. And at the end of the episode, this most recent episode, after the Alabama game, Lane Kiffin gave a speech to his team. You can call it that. Talked to his team after the game. And while they seemingly edited out a couple of words that they don't want to put on ESPNU. Um, This is what he said to his team after the Alabama game. And remember, this is an Alabama team that has beaten the absolute shit out of them for years. A team that is significantly better than them. They were 24-point underdogs, and they went strike for strike for strike for four quarters with Alabama. And this is what their coach said to them after the game. Listen to this. You can have a coaching staff that's going to sit here and tell you, great job, okay, you guys played really hard. That's not the staff, all right? 
You had a chance to beat the best team in the country that has beaten us the last three years by 50 points a game. And it's not that complicated, guys. All right? If we do what we're supposed to do, we're in here and we beat that team. Beat them. But we don't because we're not consistent enough. We don't tackle. All right? We don't finish drives. All right? And we create negative plays. So it's not good enough. We have to get better. Isn't that great? I mean, attitude reflects results, right? My dad used to tell me that. That that the way you approach things, your attitude will um, dictate what your results are. And if you get in the locker room after that game, and I I know fans were thrilled with that result, and I I spent Sunday on the radio, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the radio, and two podcasts here describing how that was a huge step forward for the program, being able to compete with that team. But if Lane Kiffin got in that locker room and just, oh, I'm so proud of you, so proud of you, you guys gave great effort, and oh, I'm so proud, and that's the best team in the country, and you guys were close, and that was great, good job. If if he did that, then that is accepting of that result. And that attitude, that approach, is that of somebody who doesn't think that that was good enough. And there's a difference between talking about it and living it. You know what I mean? And he's living that for however long he's at Ole Miss. And I don't know how long that'll be. I think it, it'll be a few years. If this is how they approach everything, including recruiting, uh, obviously they approach games this way. Uh, you're going to go places that you didn't think you could go to. It's so refreshing to hear that attitude coming from Ole Miss. Because Lane Kiffin doesn't give a shit if you're a little Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin doesn't care what your history is. He doesn't care what your budget is. He he couldn't care less. It doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care that LSU's got a 100,000-seat stadium and you have a 60,000-seat stadium. He doesn't care. Because if he's going to be coaching... The goal is to win at the absolute highest level, and there's no excuses. And that is something that Ole Miss institutionally has needed. Um, no excuses. Act like a big-time program. That's what, that's what your coach is doing. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear that, because there are people. Hugh Freeze was not this way. He thought you could win at the highest level at Ole Miss. Maybe Matt Luke thought the same. I don't know. But they didn't recruit like they were trying to go after the best players in the country. They recruited like they were trying to go after players that they, you know, that were um, ones that, oh, they, they settled. That's what it felt like. Houston Nutt didn't think you could win big at Ole Miss. And there are people, fans, ones that I interact with, that think that you can't. That they should accept their... Uh, order or their seat at the table and be happy with seven, eight wins a year. Your coach isn't that way. And that attitude, I hope, is infectious on everybody. Because that's how you go from Ole Miss being, you know, a program that's fine and you'll win sometimes and maybe get some recruits and go to bowl games to one that, I mean, could be like Clemson. 
Clemson wasn't shit before Dabo showed up, guys. And nothing. I mean, they won a national championship in 1981. 11 years before I was alive. I mean, they're recruiting kids, you know. I don't need to tell you how long ago that was. And some of you are are old enough to maybe remember that. And so I, I'm not meaning to age shame you, but you get the point. Clemson was nothing. They had a pretty dedicated fan base. Stadium, that was fine. I mean, it was kind of big when he took over, like 82,000 or so. But they've done some really significant upgrades since then. But Clemson had no history of winning. They were in the ACC. They were just okay. It's not a state that's not exactly a recruiting hotbed. And it took a guy that had the mentality of, screw all that. I'm going to win. I'm going to get the best players. I'm going to develop them. And we're going to win. And that attitude has infected that entire program, that entire university. They have that attitude now where they belong. Maybe this is that guy. Maybe Lane Kiffin's that guy. He's got the attitude for it and the approach. Maybe this will work out that way. I don't know. But that's the attitude that needs to be taken if you want it to work out that way. All right, picks now went three and four last week. No, I didn't. I went four and three on the podcast. I went three and four because I changed one on the radio show, but that doesn't count. It doesn't matter. Uh, this week, uh, much shorter slate of games. Of course, like I said, LSU and Florida has been postponed, as well as Vanderbilt and Missouri, um, which is a break for LSU because Miles Brennan potentially wasn't going to be able to play in the game due to a small injury. So um, he, they have a chance to get him healthy. Because without him, I mean, they were going to lose the game anyway, but without him, they were definitely going to Gainesville and losing. So a little break there for LSU, if you can believe it. So we've got five games to pick here, and uh, I'll start with Auburn and South Carolina. Auburn, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Columbia. I will take the Gamecocks and the points here. Bo Nix has been, um, hasn't improved at all. I read uh, something that a a radio host in South Carolina wrote, and the goal for he said the goal for South Carolina was to keep Bo Nix on the field because he's an above average quarterback and only improving. Um, that had to have been written by somebody that hasn't watched a game yet this year because he is neither of those things. He is not above average, and the biggest problem with Bo Nix is he's not improving. And the offensive line for Auburn is quite bad. He's pressured more than most quarterbacks in the SEC. Uh, I, I like the Gamecocks. I like them at home. I think they have a little bit more offensively. Colin Hill at times looks really good. At other times, not so much. But it'll be a slow, grinded-out game. The under might be a play here. Uh, I like South Carolina with the three and a half points at home. Uh, Kentucky is a six-point underdog at Tennessee. How about this? I'm going to take the road underdog. I'm going to take the six points with Kentucky going to Knoxville. I think it'll also be a slow, grinded-out game. The over-under is more appropriate. It's 46, but I will take Kentucky. I know that they struggled bad. Struggled. Moving the football against Mississippi State's defense, they might do the same thing here, but I expect a low-scoring game, and if I'm getting six points, I, I will happily, happily take six points. Georgia and Alabama, that line has dropped significantly. went from 6.5 to 4.5 after the Nick Saban news. I don't think it matters, honestly. I don't. I think Alabama is so explosive offensively Uh, that they will be able to run away from Georgia whether or not Nick Saban is mad yelling at people on the sidelines or not. I like Alabama in this game, and it hasn't changed at all uh, since Saban can't be there. Too much fireworks on offense. Uh, Mac Jones, far greater than Stetson Bennett. Alabama's weapons, far better than Georgia's. Um, 
I expect Georgia to be able to move the football on what is apparently a struggling Alabama defense. However, uh, I do think Alabama just has too much. Just way too much offensively. And so I will take the Tide, minus 4.5 at home. Next is Texas A&M, a 5-point favorite on the road at Mississippi State. Um, I, it's hard to trust the Aggies, but I think they Kellen Mond played his best game of his career last week. And... They have better personnel on defense than Arkansas. I think they'll have a very similar game plan to Arkansas and and Kentucky. And I mean, what's going on at Mississippi State right now, aside from the turnovers at the quarterback position, which has killed them in their last two losses. I mean, could honestly, the turnovers might be the difference between three and zero and one and two. That's how egregious they've been. But you've got shuffling of the quarterback, potentially starting a freshman in this game. You've got. Internal strife with Kylan Hill potentially not starting the game. It's a mess right now in Starkville. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I think Texas A&M is the best offense that they've seen so far this year. I, I, do, I do like the Aggies as a road favorite, minus five and a half. And finally, Ole Miss is a two-point favorite in Fayetteville. And as long as today's COVID results don't get rid of Matt Corral and Jerry and Ely, and Snoop Connor and Elijah Moore. If those guys are able to show up and play on Saturday, I think Ole Miss will win the game. Arkansas's improved. It's a game they've got to be ready for. But I think, by the way, over under 75 in this game. I think Arkansas is really, really lacking in personnel. And I, I don't see how they are at all going to be able to stop Ole Miss. And the same thing could be said about the other side. But I will take the better roster and a more explosive offense even as a road favorite. So Ole Miss minus two is the pick. So South Carolina plus three and a half. Kentucky plus six. Ole Miss minus two. A&M minus five. Alabama minus four and a half on my plays this weekend. And the last thing for you, uh, that interview. So one that uh, uh, Cross did, and you got to suffer through listening to him. It's Trust me, it's painful for me. I have to do it every day. Uh, I don't enjoy it. But... Um, Hutchinson's a good guy. Um, just to hear things from the Arkansas perspective, especially about how they lost uh, to Auburn last week, and they're not really letting that go. At least uh, the fan base is not. So um, I'll play that for you, and this will be the last thing that you hear on the show. So thank you uh, for tuning in today and being a part of the show. Don't forget to, to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Go to LB's this weekend and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Have a great weekend. We will have a post-game show on Saturday at some point, but it is my son's birthday and we have my family's in town and and we'll have that kind of stuff going on. So if it happens, it will be later, but the plan is right now to do it. So be looking forward to that. And I will talk to you again on Monday, but here is that interview with Andrew Hutchison of hogbeat.com to wrap up the show today. Have a good weekend, everybody hogbeat.com that is where andrew hutchison writes and covers the arkansas razorbacks and he joins us right now to uh talk a little bit about this arkansas team who andrew i i think is maybe more fun than some people anticipated it was going to be is that a fair summation yeah i mean that's definitely fair i mean i think arkansas fans at least had the the hope that they would be more competitive this year uh, but I think through three weeks, they've far exceeded even even the most optimistic fans' expectations because they were uh, competitive for two and a half quarters against the top five Georgia team. They 
knocked off Mississippi State on the road and uh, really should have beaten Ole Miss or Auburn on the road as well. So uh, really exceeded anyone's even most optimistic expectations. Are Arkansas fans anywhere close to letting go of the frustration of feeling as if they got the short end of the stick in terms of the referees on uh, on Saturday on the Plains? Well, if uh, if our message board is any indication, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> they, fair. Uh, are still, they are still very upset. And they, uh, I mean, there's people that, I mean, at one point we had uh, people saying, hey, let's all call the SEC and complain. There was one person asking if we could file a lawsuit. I mean, it was uh, very heated uh, for the last several days. I think it's starting to kind of simmer down a little bit as people kind of shift their focus to, to Ole Miss. Uh, but it, it's still still a touchy subject. and Everyone does think they got hosed, and I tend to agree with them. Uh, seems like all of college football agrees with that statement, but – Yep. Uh, I think the team itself has has shifted its focus to Ole Miss because that's what Sam Pittman has really kind of emphasized this week in uh, his conversations with the media. Outside of the obvious, Andrew, new coaching staff, uh, including new head coach, and Felipe Franks at quarterback, what's different about this Arkansas team than last year's version? I mean, I know you said excluding the new coaching staff, but I really think that's, that's everything that, that – you can credit it to because it is mostly the same team personnel wise. Yeah. You add Felipe Franks. Uh, they've added a few other graduate transfers that have you know contributed like in the secondary and, uh, and stuff like that. But really it's just the new coaching staff. You feel like there's a level of competency that you didn't see the last several years with Chad Morris and, you know, John Chavis at defensive coordinator, uh, Joe Craddock, the offensive coordinator, is now the tight ends coach at UAB, if that tells you anything about the, the previous staff. So hmm. uh, I think Barry Odom coming in as the defensive coordinator was probably one of the best hires in the SEC, maybe in the country, because last year's defense at Arkansas was, was literally statistically the worst in school history in terms of points allowed, yards allowed, and to see what they've done – uh, in three weeks has been nothing short of phenomenal. Andrew, like everybody, we had fun with the whole yes sir thing uh, with Sam Pittman when he was hired. The, the jokes kind of wrote themselves, but we also recognized right out of the gate that, wow, he put together a good staff. Um, it feels like Dave Odom was the most important hire. How close, uh, I'm sorry, Barry Odom, not Dave Odom. I think I've done that more than once. Dave Odom, the former basketball coach, Barry Odom, obviously the former uh, coach at Missouri. Um, how closely behind that, though, in importance is Kendall Bryles? Yeah, I mean, he's been very important. And it, they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start offensively. Uh, obviously, Georgia first week probably had something to do with that because I think most people would agree they have one of the best defenses in the SEC and in the country. Uh, but they, they've started to kind of heat up and, and Kendall Bryles, he, he does things that I think fit Arkansas's personnel, uh, as long as they're healthy. I mean, obviously, uh, Arkansas is dealing with several, uh, a lot of injuries really, uh, including their two best offensive players and running back Raheem Boyd and wide receiver Traylon Burks. But if, if those guys are healthy, I think Arkansas has the pieces 
uh, with Felipe Franks running the show to do what Kendall Bryles wants to do. And he's a guy that's proven to have success everywhere he's been. Uh, he maybe didn't have as much success at Florida State, but even there, he improved a, an abysmal offense into a mediocre offense. And I think that he, he's been kind of tasked with that same uh, task here at Arkansas because really the offense was just not good the last several, the last couple of years, despite, you know, that being Chad Morris's supposed forte. Uh, he's, he's come in and, and tried to kind of slowly get things better. And I think that there was from about the second quarter on against Auburn, they were, uh, they couldn't be stopped. So I think that was a really positive sign of, of progression uh, on that side of the ball for Arkansas. Andrew Hutchison covers Arkansas at hogbeat.com on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. Looking at the matchup this week against Ole Miss, obviously the Rebels have had a lot of success offensively. They have had next to no success defensively. Uh, what, what stands out to you in this matchup? What's important from an Arkansas perspective? What's the biggest challenge in your mind for Arkansas? Well, I think figuring out how to slow down that Ole Miss offense is going to be really, really tough. I know some Arkansas fans are like, well, look at what, you know, Barry Odom did against uh, Mississippi State's offense after they, you know, dominated LSU. But I think now that we've seen a little bit more, saw what Mississippi State did at Kentucky, really struggled. Uh, I think that that maybe not there wasn't as much of a sample size as what we've seen with Ole Miss. Ole Miss has done this to everybody, including Alabama last week. I think that was really eye opening for me. Uh, just so like I'm like, wow, you know, Lane Kiffin's got this thing rolling uh, offensively, and, and Arkansas they need to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they they were down both starting cornerbacks uh, last week uh, for most of the game. They they started a, a redshirt freshman walk on at one corner and a two-star recruit true freshman at the other corner when uh, the other guy got hurt during the game. Really need those starters back. You really need both starting linebackers healthy. I'm not sure if Bumper Pool is, is going to be ready to go this week, but uh, you need him healthy. It's it's going to be a challenge. I, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what kind of game plan Barry Odom puts together uh, or if it's going to be more on the offense, you know, controlling the ball, uh, and and running really, you know, they haven't really gotten the run game going yet, but if you could run the ball and just keep the ball out of Ole Miss's hands, that, that might be your best defense this weekend. In, in terms of those guys you mentioned on the defensive side that Arkansas is hoping to have available, do you get much of an injury report from uh, from Sam Pittman, or is this uh, no, we're not talking about injuries, staff? He uh, keeps everything very close to the vest. Uh, he basically says we hope to get him back, but that's about it. I think last week before the Auburn game, he said we hope to get two of the three back, referring to uh, Boyd, the running back, Burks, the receiver, and Brown, the corner, and uh, none of the three ended up playing. So uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I feel more confident about the offensive guys being ready to play this weekend than the defensive guys, but to be quite honest, we won't know until they start warming up before the game on Saturday. Certainly going to be interesting to see. Last thing for you, uh, Andrew, I, I know you live kind of in, in message board land because, uh, you know, the, the outlet for which you work. What, what's the temperature of Arkansas fans, even if a message board is only the, the sample size, uh, in terms of their expectations for this game this week? I think a lot of fans are expecting a win, uh, you know, just, they they look at it you know from the optimistic standpoint and they they are they're really 
they've seen enough the first three weeks to think Arkansas can hang with anybody. I, I, I mean, I think if Arkansas was playing Alabama this weekend, there would be a, a section of the fan base that hey, we can maybe hang with these guys. <laughs> I don't know if Arkansas is quite to that level yet, but I think most people see Ole Miss and they say, hey, these guys are somewhat closer to like kind of where we are right now. Is you know, recruiting has been somewhat similar and uh, recent. Success has been somewhat similar. I mean, or at least closer than than an Alabama or someone like that. So, this is a game I think Arkansas fans have had circled even before the season as, as a game Arkansas could possibly win. And, and I think the they're seeing what they have the first three weeks. As I said, I think they're they're feeling really good about it and and really think they can go into the the open week at, with a two and two record. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.